Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Rally Caps. Today we have wait, a wait. Do you hear that? What? That song. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That sounds like a song from today's sponsor. Music bed. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome back to Rally Caps, a podcast for the creative entrepreneur building a business for the long haul. Today, we are joined by Alicia Tova, hailing from Detroit, then New York City, now Chicago. She is a wedding photographer, a studio owner, a condo renovator, a podcaster, wildly talented painter, Friday Swim Club diver, and now she has Swipe Up on IG. What's up? Whoa. <laughs> Wait, she's growing her business, taking over the Midwest every day. We're normally very sarcastic on these intros, but that's literally all true. <laughs> oh my God, that was a great intro. <laughs> wow, thanks guys, yeah, thanks I was for like, having me. I was like, I can't be sarcastic about anything. You do so much and no. you're so talented at everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's not not always the case, but thank you. Yeah, but uh, tell so, us, the most important part is this, the Friday Swim Club. <laughs> obviously. Right? Yeah. yeah, so I hope it goes through the winter. There's actually, to give one like old guy credit, he originally had a New York Times article written on him and he, throughout the pandemic, like jumped in the lake every single day. Wait, was does he like live in a van? I think so. Yes, And yes, so I that oh, I feel wow. like, like he should still be the one who's like, that's the cool lake yeah. jump guy. We'll see how many people are around for winter time. But yeah, this guy, another photographer, Andrew Glatt, he just started a swim club. Like, hey, everyone meet Fridays at 7 a.m. We'll jump in the lake. And for a while, there was only like five or 10 people that would go. And like wow. anything that catches on, I think there was that like slope. And then I think really what set it off is that he started doing amazing underwater photos mm -hmm. of everyone else jumping in. So I think people selfishly They're was like, like I, I want to get another photos. <laughs> so then it just like skyrocketed. And now it's a little overwhelming because there's like 200 people that come. Jeez, goodness. I'm thinking yeah. about coming wow. tomorrow morning. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's a really fun like social event to just do. Yeah. So yeah, that's Friday Swim Club. Very cool. Sounds incredible. Yeah. Uh, so we, when did we meet? We met in 2018. Team. Yeah, because you you rented at Creative Club in the old space. Yes. Yep. Did you know that? Yes. Yeah, you knew yep. that. Yeah. Well, you're one of the icons in the current Creative Club profile yes. photo on Instagram yeah. from that day when we all were six black. of you had yeah. the all black outfit, that whole thing. I think it was me yep. and Melody, the two girls. Yep. We were like, let's all yes. wear black. You did. And ever, all the guys were like, um, okay. okay. And then we ended up taking the photo, that was like, oh, sick snap. photo. That's so cool. Yes. Yeah. It's incredible. I know. Those were good days. Like, I do miss having a community of people that I work with. I think my studio tends to get very just isolated and I don't know, productivity for me is better when I'm around a few people like all doing projects. Yeah. When I'm alone in the studio, I'm just like watching YouTube and editing and it's just not as efficient. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. I actually just came out of that exact pattern because mm -hmm. I used to just work from home for the past four years when I lived on the East Coast and in the past month it's been a total 180 now coming to the studio every yeah. day and having a community and a space that's dedicated for work and has all this creative energy. I mean, five minutes before we started recording, it was like we had a party going on in here. It's just like yes. cool to have Music friends bumping. and everybody's doing their thing and everyone's got their own businesses, but we're all working together too. So I feel that on the, the inverse for sure. Well, and I think people think of like play or socialization as being unproductive or inefficient, but I actually think it like channels you into this greater zone of productivity when you stop 
having that social interaction with people. Mm-hmm. And it's like a really good balance in your life to like get up, have a laugh, talk to people and then go mm-hmm. do your own thing. Whereas when I'm in the studio, it's just like boring mm-hmm. all day. Like your your breaks are instead, oh, I'll watch a couple of YouTube videos. Exactly. Or like I get sucked into my phone. Exactly, it, when yeah. it's like healthier yeah. just to be like, what's up, let's have this conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And speaking of creative, <laughs> everybody in here, everyone's talking right now. <laughs> We're not gonna cut this part either. This is my favorite kind of stuff. I, <laughs> I wondered how that works. Like yeah. everyone just, tries to be quiet yeah they they try their best they put yeah. a good effort in but yeah i'm sure honestly it probably actually sounds i didn't even notice that funny enough but i guess i forgot i was also we were recording audio mm-hmm. for something <laughs> for you know this podcast <laughs> okay so all like i said all the things are true in the intro so let's start with wedding photography and as people on this podcast know we are wedding photographers that's kind of our bread and butter and we got acquainted with a lot of other wedding photographers Mm -hmm. how did that start for you what does it look like now just kind of give us the trajectory from start to now yeah so I started in 2015 I was working at a startup back in New York and I was kind of like working like a dog after school I graduated college in 2011 I always thought that you have to just go to New York and work really, really hard mm-hmm. and really long hours. You started and, in Detroit. Um, well, so I started, yeah, originally I started photography in Detroit okay. in high school. Right, and that's where I, you grew up. Yeah, yeah, I grew up there and I wasn't super academic and I remember always really, really gravitating towards the photography courses and like the drawing and painting courses, but I never really was like the artsy kid, yeah. but I also was never the like, the the, like palms girl. So I was just this kind of like, I'm kind of a cool girl, but I don't really fit in. Like I want to be the artsy kid, but I'm not artsy enough. Uh So it always was just this background of my life doing Mm. photography and the arts. And then when I went to school, I studied business. I just, again, was like, I'll have this as a hobby. And I think technically it sounds cliche, but my photography career started in college when a colleague of mine, her name's Alyssa Wasco. She owns this company called Donnie and her dad had suddenly passed away and she was in the retail business course at Arizona. And so she wanted to just make scarves in honor Mm. of her dad. And she Mm. named them Donnie Mm. charm after her dad, Donnie. And it really took off. Like the sorority girls ate it up, you know, like she was having pop-up show. People were literally buying scarves left and right from her. And I think the two entrepreneurs in us were like, let's try doing a product shoot. Let's try doing a lookbook. So we were in Mm. downtown Tucson, these two college kids, like asking these sorority girls to model for us. And like, little did I know it was such a good intro into like my freelance foray. But again, like I always just thought of it as this like really fun, creative outlet for myself. So I'm super grateful that I got all of the really like corporate, startup-y experience that I did Mm -hmm. and like not having the photography route in there because I think that's what has made me a really good business owner in this and kind of set me apart from like the freelancers who just go from college into like trying to make it as Mm a freelance professional um and I think once I got enough years under my belt working at it was a company a fashion company Diamond Furstenberg and then fab.com and fab.com kind of went under and we all got laid off and I got a really good severance package from that. 
And that was right around the time I think I was like 26 or so. And really just looking at my life trajectory, like what do I want to do like for the next 10, 15 years? Like I really don't think I can rot in an office Mm -hmm. any longer. So I left New York for about a month. I went and worked on a farm, which I recommend to anyone who's like going through a life crisis. Um, And it was at that time where I like had zero distractions around me that I could really think clearly because in a city like New York or in just any fast paced environment that we all live in, it's so hard to like pause your life and like really think big picture on things or really see where you you want to go. So I kind of owe it to that time where I really like kind of looked inside and I thought like, I am good at this. Like, I really Mm. think I want to try this out. So I went back to New York and gave myself eight months. That's when my lease would be up. And then it's kind of all history from there. Wow. So uh, existential question following that up. Do you see yourself like returning to the farm or? I, I think about that all the time most of the youtube videos i watch are like of homestead life (laughs) i'm like when will i be just like self-sufficient growing kale in like a wood forest but Uh i don't know i think that there should always be balance in everyone's life i do think i'm at a point where i would like to start to really understand the balance of work and life and try to have Mm. that be a little more just cohesive in my life but yeah I don't know I think like we all live our lives around so many screens and technology Mm -hmm. and I think for some people it affects them greater like more than others and for me it definitely I can feel when like I haven't been in nature in a while Mm -hmm. or just haven't gotten out of like internet life Mm -hmm. and into my real life so I yeah I hope so one day yeah is that what inspired the incredible painting works that you've created? Just kind of detaching from a screen entirely? Yeah, I think during COVID, I, and I'm sure you guys maybe feel this way too, like you forget that photography is still, and I think of it very deeply as an art form. So when I'm feeling burnt out of something, like it feels really shitty to not feel inspired Mm -hmm. by like the thing that people are paying you to do. Mm -hmm. So I give myself so much to other people and clients that I just wanted something for myself. Mm -hmm. And painting is one of those things where like, yes, it's fun that the outcome has sometimes been pretty and fun to share, but like there are so many times where I'm just scribbling Mm -hmm. on canvas and I've literally painted over it eight times because I'm like, this all looks bad, but it literally is so soothing to me right now that yeah it's a really good off-screen activity and i just genuinely feel like it really helps my mental health whenever Mm. i'm just like in something deeply It's so. very timely that you said that because just the last episode we talked about this very thing about having hobbies outside of our Mm -hmm. creative careers because it's really it's a really cheap way to think that you're doing something for yourself when you have a creative career and you're like oh but i'm an artist but Mm -hmm. like i hate what i'm doing right now and you have seasons like that where Mm -hmm. you feel that way so yeah then i was i mean because i saw all that unfold Mm -hmm. and your work is beautiful like the painting is freaking beautiful i know everyone tells you that because it is (laughs) um and i was just blown away at how like quickly you were just like making these Mm -hmm. outstanding pieces um 
is that something you just strictly want to keep for yourself? Do you want to, is that a transition you see business wise? This is all of what I wanted to ask you last time we shot together. <laughs> when we literally were shooting a wedding together last week and I'm like, don't tell me anything. <laughs> I want to hear everything on the podcast. I love you. I just don't want to hear it now. Yes. We want it to be organic. <laughs> so this is my real response. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, it, it's so funny. Like, I think a lot of people who probably watch your channel is, I think there's probably people in all stages of their career, but I would assume a lot of them are like, how do I get started? Yeah. Or they're in the first you know, year, two years. And for me, like, I was so excited about creating photos for people that it just kind of, it, I ran with it. Like I, I couldn't stop. Yeah. But now that I'm at this point where it's, the decisions just feel heavier, I feel more roadblocks mm -hmm. around me. So to say like, do you want to start selling your paintings? I just automatically go to like all the logistics that could be mm -hmm. such a nightmare surrounding it. Mm -hmm. And then all the failures that might come with it and all of like the repercussions of like, will my photography business suffer if I put more energy into that? And I think another big one I've thought of myself, which I think a lot of people struggle with too is, thank you I genuinely like appreciate hearing that my paintings are beautiful but I of course follow you know 20 other painting accounts that are doing it amazingly well and that's their thing mm -hmm. and like that's not my thing mm -hmm. you know so I feel almost the inability to to like lean in that direction because I think it's scary to go outside of your lane mm -hmm. yeah so when you were first picking up a camera then, when did photography start to feel like your thing? Like when did you feel like you could step into that and say, oh, I'm a photographer now? Was it around that time when you were doing those first shoots for the scarves and everything? Or was there, was there like a, a specific job or day that you're like, oh, okay, I'm a photographer. Like it became more of mm. your identity. Have you ever heard the Amy Schumer story, Eric? No. I think it was, okay, so this was, um, to answer your question, when was that moment? So it had been about a year, maybe a year and a half as I was starting to freelance. And I remember going to coffee with people, just convincing them to hire me, okay. like truly selling myself yeah. and saying I've shot 10 weddings mm -hmm. when really I've only shot two coworkers weddings. <laughs> yeah. So it was definitely that time where I was so not confident in my abilities. I still didn't know if it was gonna work out. And it was, I think my third or fourth wedding client, it was uh, my sister's friends. They were a gay couple, two guys, Brandon and Joe, and they hired me in New York. And I was so, so stoked. I remember like, I couldn't believe they hired me, honestly. And I gave them like, you know, that was my like $2,000 okay, range. I just the story now. <laughs> yeah, and so I was like, let me, you know, like do the best engagement photos that I possibly can for you guys. And at this time, I was also just like, this is the time where Facebook people were still like doing Facebook posts mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. blog posts every day. And Rip Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So MySpace. I, um, I just remember being like, I want to do a great job. So we were in Central Park. And long story short, this was around the time that Amy Schumer was like very, very big. Trainwreck was coming out. Yeah, so it was like okay. her kind of like stardom moment. Yeah. And she ended up photobombing our engagement session in Central Park. She just was <laughs> running past us. They were like under a bridge and she she was like, hey, can I get in a photo? And I, I didn't even see who it was at first. And I was like, I took one photo, just one. And I was because people do that in New York, yeah, you know. Sure. And then I get closer and I just say, holy shit, Amy Schumer. <laughs> 
And I remember calling my stepdad being like, Robert, this was so cool, that comedian Amy Schubert, you know? I still thinking nothing of it really, but then I put it on my like blog post to share to Facebook. Okay. And one friend who used to work at Fab was freelancing for Marie Claire. And she was like, wait, this is a great story. Like, do you mind if I pitch it to my editor? And I was like, sure. And you know, within 48 hours, it's like the Today Show's calling me, People Magazine's calling me, The New Yorker's calling me. It's just this like, you know, 20 minute viral moment. And, and I can't say that that was the time where I was like, I'm so confident in my abilities, but I do recognize that it was the time where people were like, oh, she's like, she's getting hired. Like okay, people okay. are hiring her and she's more legitimate. Okay. Not to say that like those photos were amazing or any, anything like that, but I just remember being like, oh wow, like there are finally eyes on my work. Like okay. there are finally eyes that are seeing, you know, I had a Squarespace account at the time, like a Squarespace website. And I think, I remember checking my business email like once every few days, mm -hmm. being like maybe someone will, mm -hmm email me and I remember there was just you know this it just felt like I was finally seen yeah. in my freelance career and I think internally it just gave me the motivation to be like okay I'm doing this like I got this yeah. and there, I know it's such a good story, that's, inc story. that's incredible it's a great story that is so cool yeah <laughs> but what's so cool about it and I hear this a lot not maybe not to that effect of just like insanity but like if you if you are interested in trying something creatively, mm -hmm. it will just never ha not something like that will never happen if you just don't go and try it. Yes, mm -hmm. and like you're met with serendipity so often, mm -hmm. it's shocking. It is shocking. Yeah. And someone said that to me. I remember it was a boy I used to have this crush on, and I saw him at a brewery, and he was like, "Saw the Amy Schumer thing," and I was like, <laughs> and I said, "I'm like, Great oh, I was just you know," and I was like. <laughs> Oh, it was just luck. It was just luck. And I remember it was this one endearing moment where he was like, no, but if you weren't, you know, if you weren't already doing all the things and trying, you know, if you weren't doing all of what you were doing prior, like that moment still wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like undeserving of it. But then again, I'm like, no, I've been working my ass off. And yep. even though that is a really lucky thing to have happened, you know, it's still, you got to work for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For luck, sure. Luck is more possible to hit you in the face when you're actually putting in hard work. Yes, mm -hmm. and like, I put in hard more work. more opportunities mm -hmm. to get lucky. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I put in a lot of hard work. Like, I, I think when I moved to Chicago and met you is when I was feeling more steady. But, mm -hmm. you know, everyone has that moment of, you know, I worked at a restaurant. I had a babysitting job. I lived in a four bedroom, one bathroom in Bushwick with three guys. Wow. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, like, and I just remember like always thinking ahead to, to say to myself, like, this won't be my forever. Like, mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. will reap the benefit eventually. Mm -hmm. So I trusted in myself a lot, I think. I mean, it's I, critical I don't know in order you, to make that happen. I don't know if you know this, but in your corporate job, you were friends with Andre Wagner. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, so me and Andre worked at Fab, and he yep. is who, like, would show me to my, we went to 31st and 6th to, like, get our film developed and mm. all that. And I knew him when he was before starting his career also. <laughs> so there are, like, photos of us, like, shooting on each other's rolly flex in the office just being like, we don't want to work. <laughs> and, yeah, and it's crazy to it's know incredible. that he, yeah, like, everyone starts somewhere, you yeah. know? 
And you do see that spark in some people. I remember always like observing him and just thinking to myself, like he's going to be something, mm -hmm. you know, you just feel it with some people. Mm -hmm. I think you really feel, I don't think you can really fake passion and fake like a genuineness to learn, you know, mm, yeah. I, I, and I do hear this a lot in photography careers of the people who like, you know, I just picked up the camera because it was kind of handed to me and I want to make a career out of it. And that's great. I don't knock those people at all. But I think there is something to be said about someone who just really like dives into what they're doing with a genuine and authentic passion. Mm -hmm. Like Andre, for example, building out his own Lightroom studio or his own darkroom studio and going to develop his photos every day mm -hmm. and having his camera on him. I mean, the best advice he had given me was like, have your camera with you every single day. Like mm -hmm. don't leave the house without your camera. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that it's just, if you just want photos that are just feel something, I don't know, you gotta work at it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just come to everyone. And he's Photo Dre, if you're unfamiliar. Oh, yeah, Photo Dre. That's like his online name. <laughs> yeah, for the three of you that are unfamiliar. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm just kind of taking all that yeah. in right Steven, now. Whenever he hears cool things, he's always just like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not great for a fast <laughs> podcast, but it's great for a slow one where <laughs> you get the time to just process these things. Honestly, that's, that's incredible. I don't really know what to say next because, yeah. like we just said, I'm processing um, still. But. So... You have your studio now, mm -hmm. as we briefly mentioned before, Creative Club. You're a part of that, and then you wanted to go make your own studio in mm -hmm. Wicker. It's yeah, it's on Six Corners, right? Yeah, is that technically Wicker Park? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bucktown um, Wicker Park. Yeah, and yeah, tell us some of that, just because. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just you just do stuff like way better than we do stuff. <laughs> I think that's the I, that's the misconception though of all of our world is like everyone just assumes someone else is doing it a hundred times better sure. than you. When I look at this setup and I'm like, Oh my God, I need to sure. vacuum my studio. <laughs> I need to get better C stands. <laughs> like I'm just doing it a day at a time. I think for my clients and my client experience, I was getting to a point where I don't know. I just wanted to have my brand be more prominent when I'm meeting people yeah. and you know again that thinking ahead like if I have my own studio space I could also learn a lot in the process mm -hmm. um, but it's not all good decisions like again like I said in the beginning I really miss having a team effort in a space mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. for the most part it's been good I think it's um, I take it day by day, month by month, really, whenever that rent check is due. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's been cool. I think it was always a dream of mine because when I lived in New York, something like a studio was so unattainable. Like mm. to have so a studio expensive. space was just, it was just absurd. Yeah. So I feel like selfishly, it was always kind of part of my Chicago dream of sure. like, I move here, I can be a big fish in a little pond. I can actually get that studio space I always dreamed of. So I think it was always just like a, kind of like a selfish checklist for myself hmm. to be like, I can do this. Mm -hmm. um, and now I've done it and now I'm like, have me back. <laughs> but it's, it's, yeah, it's good. It's great. And you, I think what's, what's really profound and what, why I feel like you do 
things better than us is like your intentionality of mm. your wood board and painting it all the time and just like me coming in there I'm like oh my goodness there's all these props and like it's so interesting and eclectic mm. and that's not always where my brain goes. It's just so interesting to see, and that's what I love about having a bunch of friends in the creative world. It's it's right. It's not necessarily bad that I don't do that. Mm-hmm. I just am different than you. Yes. Um, but it's still so cool to see that and then find inspiration and influence from it too. Because mm-hmm. there are plenty of times where I've seen something you've done, and I'm like, I want to incorporate that. <laughs> like that's sick. Totally. Yeah. Well, and I've said this, Eric and I, we worked together at a wedding last weekend, and I think it's really true. And this is what I really appreciate about you is that we are very different. Like our, we see things mm-hmm. very differently, but I love that. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that it's really fun to see you doing your thing and me doing my thing and just have like mutual respect for one another's craft and vision. Yeah. And I, I want there to be more of that. You know, I don't want to see the same things yeah. all the time. Yeah. Like, I think it's really, and I think that's why, you know, those people stick out is because you're really, you know, I remember around the time that like the orangey filter India Earl mm-hmm. preset thing was coming up. I was like in year, maybe like year one or two, still, still definitely like finding my voice. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, you know, training under the people I did in New York and having my own vision. I remember seeing all that and that's where all the photographers were like going. And I just remember my internal voice being like, but I don't. I don't, that's not me. Mm-hmm. Like, but do I need to do that now? And as much as I wanted to give into that peer pressure to like do what everyone else was doing, I was like, no, I'm just gonna like do me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that will, you know, hopefully that's just the right decision. And I'm so glad I did yep. because I think it's just made me a stronger art director and photographer and I, and having just like really good internal intuition when it comes to my art and photography. Mm-hmm. You're saying Andre didn't like the whole orange and brown everything? Didn't that's, love it. So, <laughs> he didn't so, love it. I feel like he'd be championing no. that. That's so weird. <laughs> that's shocking. <laughs> this episode of Rally Caps is brought to you by Musicbed, our favorite source for music licensing. You know, it's pretty surreal to partner with one of our favorite companies for Rally Caps. We've used their music for years and years on wedding films, on commercials. YouTube videos on my personal channel, and now we're even using their music for Rally Caps and extra innings on our Patreon. From the inception of an idea all the way to pressing publish, Musicbed plays an integral role in our entire creative process by providing amazing music to elevate all of our projects with. One of our favorite parts of Musicbed is how easy it is to use. Even with over 900 leading composers, bands, and singer-songwriters, it's so simple to navigate the site and find the perfect song for your project. You can search with specific attributes in mind, like the tempo, style, or instrument used, or even search specific keywords like cinematic, folk, or dope podcast intro. Well, maybe not the last one, but you get the point. Sometimes we just listen to the music on Musicbed for fun, because it's that good. And if you're a music nerd, you can search songs by key and match songs across two if you'd like to mix and match. You can start a free account on Musicbed and browse all the same music we love to find what suits you best. When you're ready to start a subscription, use the code ALLCAPSRALLYCAPS at checkout to receive your first month free when you purchase an annual subscription. Start unlocking the full potential of your work. Thanks again to Musicbed for sponsoring this episode of RallyCaps. Now, back to the show. Yeah, it's... I fell into that too, like mm-hmm. going the vibey preset route and honestly I feel like that's one of the biggest things artists Mm -hmm. need to hear 
from a business perspective too. Whereas like the, the phrase that I've coined on my channel is lean into what makes you different. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're just, if you continue to just do all the things everybody else does, you just become one in a sea of many voices. Yeah. And you might find yourself frustrated that you mm -hmm. step away and you're just like, what is unique about the artistry? What, you know? And I did want to touch a bit about like the, when we were talking about doing the first look at this wedding yeah. this past Saturday, yes. we were just like, the timeline was like going crazy. And totally. We're like, I don't know, what should we do? I didn't, you know, yeah. but we, we had a call, which yeah. I was late to, um, and you saved my butt, um, like a week or two prior, and they mm -hmm. talked and reminded us that they had met in the John Hancock building. Yeah. And their, their hotel room was like, right by a John Hancock building and me being me, I was like, we got to incorporate that somehow, mm -hmm. you know? And, and then the first look photo that you took that they posted, I was just like, uh, it's just so, like, <laughs> that was your setup though. I mean, but it was so cool to collaborate in yeah. that because I took the lead on that, but then you took the lead during portraits and I would have made a completely different decision. And she comes up to this neutral palette wall where I'm like, I never would have looked at this. It was incredible. Like, yeah. And I'm like, that's an Alicia color. That's an Alicia color. I'm like, this yes. is great. I'm, I'm like, so, I love Alicia color. I'm so glad we didn't do North Half Beach. I'm so yep. happy. And I was like, that would be the easy thing to do. Yeah. That's what I went. I was like, we got the emotional thing. That would be the easy thing. And she's mm -hmm. like, no, 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 no. Let's do the, let's do the aesthetically yeah. pleasing thing that's nearby. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah. And then the bride was just like, I'm so happy we did this. And I'm yeah. like, okay. That's awesome. Great. Yeah. No, it is. It's good. It's always really nice to see what other people are seeing and like I think you're so cinematic and your image like your imagery is so romantic and captivating and like large and mine is so like small and subtle mm. so I think it was a really nice pairing to like have both of those minds mm. collaborate throughout the day yeah. and yeah, you have to remember, like, you're not the only one who sees one thing. There's mm, yeah. there's so many different ways of looking at things. And I think that's why sometimes I have that qualm with North Ave Beach of, like, I just don't see that much there. Mm -hmm. Like, I see one thing. Yeah. And to me, that's not that fun. Like, mm -hmm. I want to see all the subtle little nuances of you walking around. And for me, that's really hard to do at a location like that. Totally. So that's why... And I can't explain that to my like finance couple who's yeah. like, why not North Ave Beach? <laughs> but you know, it's it's fun to explain it in like those artist terms. Mm -hmm. Definitely, I had my very first shoot in Chicago like a week after we moved here, and it was at North Ave Beach. Mm -hmm. And the moment we arrived, I was like, oh, like this is why everyone does photos here because it's like cheat mode immediately. You're like, okay, super cool. Like it's got the view, it's got the water, it's got all the things. Mm -hmm. I totally understand why it's so cool. But then some of my favorite images that we got were once we left and then started walking around and wondering, yeah. I was like, this is really sweet too. Like yeah. it's, it's nice that we got the ones that you were probably looking forward to mm -hmm. because it has the, the look and the skyline totally. and all that. But it was really fun to just like wander and see what we were seeing yes. later on. And it was, it, it felt a lot more, uh, to use your word, like intimate, a little mm -hmm. more like small and, and focused in on those in-between kind yeah. of moments. Well, and what I suggest to people too, who have clients that are like for mine and Eric's client, for example, who says the Hancock building's really important to us. We want to incorporate Chicago. We want to do North Ave Beach. I think what they want is to feel like they got married in Chicago, mm. you know? And so for me, and I think that's hopefully why they hire me is like, let me 
let me show you how to feel that without being so obvious about it. Mm. Um, and I think that just comes from also like doing so much street documentary in New York. Like, mm. I think that's kind of how I mm. really like dove deeper into mm -hmm. photography is like, it's not always about the location. It's like a combo of so many things mm -hmm. all coming together. So if you have one thing, but you don't have, you know, it's hard for me to bring out anyone's emotion when you're like on a boardwalk on North Ave, but we ha we like married this perfect, you know, that one street intersection where you could kind of see the Hancock building in the yeah. back and you're, and so, I just encourage photographers to, yeah, like look around you. Don't just look at what the obvious thing is because I don't know. I it wouldn't want to hire become, someone. Like, mm. It could become so much more meaningful too mm -hmm. uh, because it, yeah, then it's so different for the client yeah. as opposed to all their friends who went to the same place to do the same thing for yeah. sure. And encouraging them to like, hey, if you're, if you're not dead set on that one thing, like how about we create your own thing, mm -hmm. you know? Totally. Um, you know, the tagline to our podcast is building a business for the long haul. Yeah. And just to kind of pivot into that direction, you recently brought on an associate for your business. How, how what are all your feelings on that? Like mm -hmm. starting to go that route, starting to build your business that way. Do you see this as kind of a sustainable approach or a way to relieve some tension for you? Like what are mm -hmm. all your thoughts on that? How's it gone? Any of that? Yeah. It's going well. So I hired an associate in the spring of 2020. Her name is Momoko Fritz. And it's going well. I think that whenever business people run into an issue, it's, okay, I'm getting X, Y, and Z thrown my way. How can I solve this? Mm -hmm. So for me, it was solely a supply and demand issue. Like I was getting too many inquiries thrown my way that I couldn't say yes to mm -hmm. all of them. So I figured instead of just like throwing a list out into the open, why don't I main, like why don't I retain those clients and have someone under me? <laughs> and I think there's been a lot of really great things to come out of it and then also a lot of challenging things to come out of it. Um, I would say start with the challenging thing. It is not me that's taking the photo. And mm -hmm. I at the end of the day, like like I said, everyone has a different eye. And I think she is such a talented photographer and has an incredible point of view and has been so receptive to feedback, mm -hmm. which I appreciate so much. Um, it's just, it's giving up that control. Yeah. And so the more you grow, the more you have to relinquish control. And so I really miss those like 2018 days where it's like I had enough clients and work and shoots that I could kind of all manage it by myself. Mm -hmm. And now I'm at this really murky point where it's like, I kind of need an admin person because now mm -hmm. Mo's doing really well and now she's almost booked and now yeah. maybe I take on a new client. So, or a new admin, uh, blah, blah, blah. Yep. See, this is why it gets me overwhelmed. <laughs> um, a new associate. So yeah, it's like relinquishing control, relinquish, relinquishing trust, into that like this person will show up on time will do a great job will deliver great images yeah. but i've really genuinely i would say the high is that i've genuinely enjoyed uh training someone and mm. like sharing my process with someone because like humbly speaking i really do think that like clients are really happy with the photos that they receive 
And I do think that I have seen enough photographers who, yeah, just need like a little bit of help along the way. Like Mo was already doing this for a handful of years. And I think she just needed that. You know, she always says, like, I just want to get your kind of clients. Mm. I'm like, well, here's my formula to mm. getting these kinds of clients. And if you want to come along and have me like train you, then great. But it's going to take a lot of work, like we've always said. Yep. And I think the fact that she was willing to put in that work, yep. that's when it is successful. It's um, so it's been good. Income has gone up. Taxes have also gone up. <laughs> Fun time. You know, right like, it's so weird how that works. <laughs> weird how that works. Um, yeah, you make more money and then you spend more money. Yep. So I think anyone who thinks about scaling their business, it's like, why are you doing this? And hmm. I think, for me, it's that I really find a lot of gratitude in helping people become like more fully formed artists. Yes. And I think that is really cool to see. And I would love to, you know, have to to impact a few more people's lives like that and kind of let them like go off onto their own. And I remember when I was having my mentor, Shalise Michael, in New York. I owe so much of my craft to her because she really like held my hand and I mean, I paid her for it, but <laughs> she really like showed me a lot of her tricks of the trade and helped really kind of like, I remember our first critique, she critiqued an engagement session of mine and I'd never had someone just so honestly say like, you know, these aren't that good. Like some of them are good, like this is good, mm. but I wouldn't do this. Mm. and. Like I doesn't other don't other people want that? Like, hmm. you know, I don't know. Maybe some people have egos or they don't want to be told that. But I think there's so much power in like yeah. having that, you know, that critical time yes. where you're really learning mm -hmm. and to have someone just like help guide you in a really honest way. So it's been it's been going well. If anyone wants to join the team, let me know. Um, Open call for casting. Yeah, call. Yeah, I'm really particular. No, <laughs> I am, but uh, yeah, it's it's been going well. So as far as kind of nurturing other artists and helping them mm -hmm. grow, do you want to solely do that through having more associates on your business? Do you do you? offer mentor mm -hmm. sessions, like long-term type things? Do you yeah. want to do you education on education? a broader scale? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would I would love to have more in-depth educational tutorials that are getting built. Mm -hmm. I think that I get really overwhelmed by just the production of it all. Yeah. Like I'm seeing this simple podcast <laughs> set up and I'm like, I don't know how I could ever make a video form. Um, but, I was gonna like pitch you on our services then. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, but seriously, like I would totally be down to have that conversation. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're doing my course now, and I, we, I sat down when we sat down at the wedding last weekend. I was talking to Momo. Yeah. About that process as well. So mm -hmm. I guess I cheated a little bit. I got a little no, bit of information before the No, I would love to hear that. No, she was like, you're, she was just singing your praises as an educator. She's like, she's just so good at teaching. She's so good at like just crafting a sentence where it's like, mm. oh, okay, I get it now. And, and she's like, not many people can do that. And so when, you, when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, all right. And then we started talking, I'm like, it'd be, it'd be cool to get mm -hmm. a course going. And if you felt too overwhelmed on that, we could totally figure out a solution for that. 
because there's tons of people that want to learn from you for sure. Well, and here's the thing, which you guys can all relate to. Like there, you obviously see the people who sell presets and that is not my strong suit. Like yeah. I think you have to really look at yourself and be yeah. like, what am I yeah. actually good at? And what am I not that good at? Like I would never teach a systems course. <laughs> like <laughs> don't take my tricks on how to backup files and edit efficiently. Mm -hmm. Like that's not my strong suit mm -hmm. at all. And neither, yeah, it's like anything technology related. But I do think I have a great amount of knowledge when it comes to photography and like, like I said, the art form of it. And I would love to share that with people. Like mm -hmm. I would love to do something like that. And I think for now shooting weddings for over five years, maybe six at this point, I've kind of started losing track, but I feel like I've given my gift to so many clients at this point that, um, you know, eventually I want to hand the torch over to other people and have them mm. do that as well. Mm. And I, I think when you talk about sustaining a business for the long haul, I think it's okay to have that business ebb and flow as long as you're following your intuition and really tuned into you know, what can I offer people mm. in a way that is not gimmicky yeah. or sleazy, yep. but just what do I have to offer? Mm -hmm. And like, how can I make a living from it? Yeah. So we're starting to try to ask more guests this question near the ends of every episode uh, and kind of calling back to the name of the show in the first place, Rally Caps. Um, in your business and in your career so far, could you like highlight one Rally Cap moment that you've experienced where you really had to just go through something tough, kind of grit through like a, a particularly difficult season um, where you had to throw your rally cap on and kind of just power through this thing for the survival of your business? Oh, that's a hard question. I feel like I do that every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, a really hard time. I think it's any, I think moving to a new city was, mm. was pretty yeah. challenging. Um, finding a new community, finding a new community a new and, and, and thinking of all of that before you're actually doing it. Yeah. So I think, and that's why I think you're so amazing to so many people who listen because they're sitting at their desk or their couch or, you know, and they're just, they're just halted by fear and the mm. unknown. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, that rally phase is always me stepping into something new not really knowing how it's going to work mm. or pan out and and always just like having so much anxiety around that. Mm. I remember speaking of moving to Chicago, Bean was one of the first photographers I had met. I think I just met him, yeah, like at a coffee shop yep. or something. He's like, oh, you have a camera? I like cameras. What, what, I think what, that's something camera? what it was. And I just remember leaving that coffee shop, I swear. And he was like, you got to you gotta come check out. Like me and my dudes are going to open up a um, like a workspace soon. And I just remember like thinking to myself, getting in my car, being like, okay, like, I think I just like made a friend. Like, <laughs> like, I think I just, I think I just like stepped into Chicago a little yeah. bit more. And so I don't think, yeah, around rallying, like, I think you're going to rally constantly in your business mm -hmm. and figuring out shit day to day. Mm -hmm. But I think my like mental rally was just kind of more murky for me. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I have two fast questions. Okay. Uh, freelance hustle. Is it happening still? 
I yeah, you're a podcaster. I I'm I'm a former podcaster. <laughs> Again, I would never teach a course on how to like have a consistent <gasps> microphone setup or any of that thing. Um, it's a podcast that you can still listen to on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And it's not coming back for the immediate future okay. until I get a more, I think, cohesive system and set up in place. Yeah. Um, second, real estate. You bought the condo <gasps> that you're living in. You're renting and then you bought it. Renting and then bought. Landlords moved away to the suburbs and they were like, do you want this? And I was like, yup. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's very exciting. Yeah. Do you see yourself in that long term or do you see yourself getting into real estate? That's something I'm interested in as well. Yeah, I see myself as a real estate mogul in 10 years. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will definitely have this be a rental property. Nice. It's a one bedroom condo. I bought it for a really good price um, since I just bought it directly from the owner. It's not going to be my forever home, but mm -hmm. it's a great Logan Spencer. Logan Square spot. Awesome. Um, and yeah, I'd be interested in kind of growing that a little bit more. My, um, I don't know. I, I think real estate is like, again, not something that I'm very good at, but I could learn. Yeah. Um, I guess that was a long winded answer. It's great but though. Yeah. It's good bought enough. the condo. Yeah. Eventually we'll move to my homestead. Could, could you Airbnb it or your association rules not allow it? Or? I think that I can Airbnb it. Cause yeah, we're, yeah. I'm about to like get into that life. And yeah, once we do, I would love to chat about that. For sure. I, yeah, I think so. I'm, that's the hope for sure. Cool. And I've seen a lot of like Airbnb getting ready spots or vacation spots and there's not like that many great ones. Yeah. And I know you're flipping the kitchen right now and it's going to be gorgeous. So like, yeah, hopefully. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> guys, renovations are really stressful. <laughs> oh, I know it. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, we had a not done kitchen for 10 months in our loft. It's a headache, but we're getting there yeah. anyways. Yeah. That was, yeah. It was a very long time. Okay. So. Yeah. Well, hey, last, last question. Oh, where can the people find your oh. beautiful work? Oh, thanks, Steven. <laughs> uh, you can find my work at aliciatova.com or aliciatova Instagram. A-L-I-S-H-A-T-O-V-A. -A. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> um, what is that? Like, you get the spelling bee award sort of thing, you know? <laughs> Make a song out of it. <laughs> yeah, aliciatova.com. And thanks for having me. This was yeah, super fun. Super Thanks for fun. being here. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Appreciate it. And thank you for watching or listening. Yeah. Whether you're on YouTube or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whatever it is, throw us a like, throw yes. us a thumbs up, uh -huh. a subscribe. Yeah. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else, you listen to your podcast, please leave us a review. Did please. you say that already? Nope. No. I just mentioned Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. Please. Thank you. We love you. Former podcaster. She knows what's up. <laughs> Rate, review, subscribe. That's, oh, that's so good. good. Wow. Let's do that. Thank wow. you. Awesome. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.